back before uh, I had this sweet beard, you know, I, I served proudly in the United States Navy for six years. And um, after 9-11 occurred, 10 days after, I, I transferred to the USS Bonhomme Richard. And so I was fairly green. I didn't know what was going on, you know, and there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, but about 18 days after I got on the ship, um, we, we loaded up with, with Marines, uh, and we were gone. We, we didn't have a return date. We, we were going to, you know, basically get our mission while we were in transit. So um, I didn't know anybody on board, um, didn't know where we were going. I left Stephanie at home. You know, she was pregnant with Jonah. And I was thankful because I had the reassurance of Christ. I had come to Christ about a year before I transferred to the ship. Um, but I was fairly immature in my faith, and I wasn't quick to share the gospel message of salvation with people that I didn't relate to. And I certainly didn't share it with my family. You know, they say don't talk religion or politics with your family, and I, I certainly didn't talk religion with my family. Um, so during the deployment about three months in, uh, my father had quadruple bypass surgery, and he didn't survive. And, uh, you know, I love my dad. He was an exceptionally kind man, and uh, uh, I was crushed, you know, not only because I'd lost my father, uh, but because... I had been too uncomfortable to share the message of salvation with him. And uh, I was afraid that he would reject me, uh, and I was immature and not understanding that if I shared that message, it wasn't me that my father would have rejected. You know, it was ultimately God. So I was crushed by that. And to this day, you know, I still wonder, you know, was my father saved? And I don't know the answer to that. Um, there have been times where, you know, I'll get caught up in the day-to-day -day life, and as a Christian, I'll, I'll forget or I'll take for granted, you know, what it is that I've actually been saved from. We all say that we're saved. You know, uh, when I did confess with my lips that Jesus uh, was the Christ and I bent my knee to him as Lord, I was forgiven of my sins. And I was also forgiven from an eternity you know, apart from God and an eternal hell. And when I truly think on that, the eternity of hell, it gives me pause. Um, because when I think of that, you know, I don't want anybody that I love to suffer that and be apart from God for an eternity. Not those that I love and not even my enemy. Now, the apostles uh, often describe themselves in their letters. You know, they use terms such as bondservant slave, indebted, when they were describing their relationship to Christ. You know, they, and uh, they used these terms because they saw firsthand and they knew that they had been bought by Christ at a price. Now, when you've been bought, uh, when you're a slave or a bondservant, you have no choice but to do what the master has instructed you to do. And we as Christians can be very thankful that Christ, our master, is a very kind master. He's a very forgiving master. And during his time on earth, he gave those that were willing to follow him uh, numerous commands. And some of the examples that I have here come from Matthew. Um, Jesus commands those that will follow him to repent, Matthew 4.17, to be reconciled, Matthew 5.23, to love your enemies, Matthew 44, or I'm sorry, Matthew 5, verse 44. Uh, to judge not, Matthew 7. 
to love your neighbor, Matthew 22. But his final command in Matthew, uh, Jesus commands those that will follow him to go out and make other disciples. And I'm just going to read that uh, short passage to you. It's Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And and it says, uh, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So how should we keep Christ's command and make new disciples of all nations? Um, Our reading today is going to come from Matthew 13, if you guys want to turn there. And in this reading, Jesus uh, teaches the multitudes and his disciples how to spread the word. Um, It's where we're going to pick up our study here today. So Matthew 13, we're going to read, uh, it's a long reading, uh, verses 1 through 23. So on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore... Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, for in, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Now, in this parable, uh, Jesus spoke to his disciples. It's just as real today uh, as the day Jesus spoke it. We here, sitting here, uh, could have been in the crowd with the multitudes, and we could, we could have heard the exact same message. Um, in verse 15, Jesus tells of the hearts of the men that have grown dull, ears that refuse to hear, you know, eyes that have closed. And uh, we've all encountered those people that have come across our path that they don't want to hear and they don't want to see. But for those of us that do hear and those of us that do see, we need to understand that Christ commanded us to go out and sow the seed. You know, it's not for us to accept. It, you know, we can't accept Christ for other people, but it's up to us to go out and give that message. Now, Jesus said some will receive the truth, but they won't root themselves very deeply. Um, and some will get choked out by the fleshly desires of this world and fall away, and some will flee in the face of persecution. But the farmer scattered the seed, and there was fruit that was produced. Now, this parable doesn't say that the farmer carefully went out and placed a seed here or there, um, and I think that that word was very purposed. Um, the sower went out, he scattered the seed, and the seed that took root it took root. Now, what's fascinating about a seed, if you do a quick Google search on uh, the viability of a seed, is just how long a seed can survive in its native form. There was a National Geographic article that I came across that was published uh, online last July, and it had an, uh, a bunch of stories that described how seeds can defy time. Um, and I'm going to share a few examples with you. Um, so one of them was during World War II, batch of silk, uh, silk trees sat in a dark cabinet in a L London museum. They'd been taken from Beijing in 1793 to allow the British to start growing their own silk. Now flash forward to 1940, uh, German bombers are flying over London and a bomb hits the botany section of the British Museum. Smashes the cabinets, releases the seeds, and they fly off the shelf and land in the rubble. Uh, the uh, um, the British uh, firefighters go and douse uh, the fire, and weeks later, museum workers see some sprouts growing at the bomb site, baby silk trees. These silk trees had germinated after 150 years of sitting in that cabinet. Another story, uh, 1960s archaeologists found a tomb in Argentina that contained an ancient rattle, and it was made of a walnut shell that had cana li lily seeds banging around inside them. So they opened the nut, they removed the seeds, they planted some, and they got a lily. And when they carbon dated the seeds, it was 600 years old. Now, I realize that if I'm associating spreading the word of God with the seed, that the 150 and 600 years probably work better with the Old Testament than the New Testament, but uh, it gets the point across. Because a seed after all, is an embryo. It's a 
potential plant just waiting for its moment to grow. It has what it needs to begin, but it can also put itself on pause. And today's society, uh, self-included, you know, we've become so accustomed to instant acknowledgement or gratification, but the word that you give to another, it may lie dormant with them for a number of years, waiting on God's timing. Um, I've come across Christians, and, and you ask about, well, how did you get saved? And I've heard stories of people tell me, I was given the gospel message 10 years before I got saved, and I sat on it, you know, and I stewed on it, you know. But someone was faithful to sow the seed and tell that person the gospel message. And that's the important thing, that we as, a Christ, as Christians obey Christ's command and scatter that seed, uh, the word of salvation. Um, Stefan, the kids, and I, we recently took a trip up to Pennsylvania, and it was uh, not the best, uh, I guess, conditions for the trip, but um, the... Uh, the trip was beautiful because as we went up there, all the trees were right at that time where they were changing color. And uh, so we're looking around at the, you know, the beautiful uh, foliage and you see in the mountains that one tree that's just sticking out of the side of the mountain. And you look at that and you think, what, how in the world did that get there? You know, why in the world is that thing growing there? Um, but somehow seed got there and it took root and it grew and it's healthy and it's doing just fine there. And so that's why it's important that we as Christians also follow Jesus's command not to judge, just sow the seed. Um, as I'm sure we've all experienced, you know, God doesn't often do things as we expect him to. And so that seed that you sow, it may grow somewhere where you didn't expect it to. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I have a very good friend uh, works closely with a homosexual coworker, um, and they confided in me and said, "Hey, I, I think God's prompted me to, to share the gospel message with him." And you know, I, I took pause and I instantly stopped and said, "Well, yeah, I don't know if that's such a good idea. You may want to be cautious with that because, in my mind, you know, in my box, you know, it was basically a lost battle." But this person prayed about it, and they said, "I'm going to." give this man a Bible and I'm going to share the gospel message. And they did. And, you know, to my surprise, um, this man was the son of a, a Calvary Chapel pastor and he had recently moved and lost his Bible and his Bible had his father's contact information in it. And he had searched frantically for it because he wanted to get back in touch with his father. And he broke down and he cried and he thanked my friend for being faithful to give him a Bible and to share this word with him. Now, I'd like to tell you that he repented and he turned, but, you know, as far as I know that that's not the case. But my friend was faithful to share the message. And God loves to use those who are obedient. Now, when someone's told the salvation message of Christ um, and that personal relationship that they can have with him, that seed has been sown. And this seed may sit with a person dormant for many years. And that seed may fall on ears that you didn't even expect it to fall on. It may or may not grow, but God conditions the soil of the heart and he commands us simply to sow the seed.
So that's why it's critical you know, uh, that we don't judge who we think would receive the word, that we follow Christ's command and simply sow the seed. So as Pastor Don likes to say, you know, since we're all evangelists, we're not all on the first boat to Africa. Um, God knows what each of our abilities are, and uh, I believe that as a body of believers, we work together in unison uh, for Christ. Um, So knowing that each of us have a different gift or a different ability, we can work together to save those that are lost by praying for them, by donating to missionaries who want to be out on the front lines, uh, by living our lives as an example. We are in a fishbowl. People are always looking at us. And at God's prompting, uh, directly witness to people. Now, in our uh, Wednesday men's study, we've been uh, going through 1 Corinthians, um, and Paul uh, described his adaptability in relating to people when spreading the gospel. And I'm just going to read uh, four verses from 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19 through 23. This is what Paul said. He said, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as the Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Now in this uh, letter to the Corinthians, Paul isn't saying become a sinner to reach sinners. You know, he isn't telling us as Christians that have been saved to lower our standards of purity in order to reach other sinners. You know, I've I've heard people say, well, I'm going to go to the bar and have a beer and tell people about Jesus. Well, you don't go to a bar and get drunk. You know, to relate to drunks, you know, that, that's lowering your, your standard of purity. So he's telling the church at Corinth that he adapts as best he can in order to reach as many as possible. And he does what he can to sow that seed of the gospel message. And he does what he can in order to help that seed grow. Um, I want to remind you uh, as believers that Christians aren't the only ones out there sowing seeds. Uh, Satan's out there, uh, as the parable said, doing everything that he can to choke out the word, to help dry up your roots. Um, so if you see a new believer, you know, I would encourage them to set their roots deep. Now, when I first came to Christ, uh, Calvary uh, uh, Horizon Christian Fellowship out in San Diego, I had a very good home fellowship teacher, Dennis Klempel, and um, I'm very glad that God put him in my life. And he told me early in my Christian faith, he said, look, think of Christianity as a three-legged stool. He said, each leg of the stool is used together with the other to help prop up the seat. And he said, those three legs are prayer, reading your Bible, and fellowshipping. And he said, if you lose one of those legs... Stool's going to fall over. Roots are going to dry up. Um, 
So as we wrap up this message, um, that trip to Pennsylvania that I had referenced earlier where we saw the trees uh, hanging out the side of the mountain there, uh, it's because I recently lost my uh, stepfather uh, excuse me, to a, a year-long battle with cancer. So determined not to make the same mistake uh, that I'd made with my father, um, I did talk to him, and I asked him you know, where he was with Christ. And I'm very happy to say that I will see him uh, one day in heaven. So it, it's the holiday season. You know, we're going to come across a lot of family members, a lot of friends. Um, you know, so if God's prompting you, you know, don't wait, you know, share that gospel message and uh, make sure that they know that salvation is freely available to them. Amen. All right. Let me get you to stand and we'll close with prayer. Father, we are so thankful uh, that salvation is freely made available to us, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that during this time of Thanksgiving, Lord, that if the opportunity arises, Lord, that um, you would help us, Lord, guide us with your Holy Spirit in sharing that salvation message with someone that we know needs it, Lord. Father, I pray for our church family. Lord, as we go uh, out and about, watch over us. Lord, watch over Lori and Don as they go. And, and I just pray, Lord, that they would get a moment of relaxation. And Father, we do give thanks uh, for our body, and we pray, uh, Lord, that you would use us as you uh, best see fit. We ask this, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen.